world, this is Brother Ali. You're in the mix right now with BRL. What up, it's 360. Yeah, yeah, this is Nick Loopy from One Day Spit Syndicate. What's up, this is Slug from Atmosphere. When I'm not teaching your girlfriend how to play chess, I'm listening to Beats, Rhymes, and Life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chickening with my homeboy, Gavin Crashley on BRL. Yeah, buddy, welcome to a very special episode of BRL The Podcast. Gab with you here. As I said, very, very special. As it says on the front of this recording, we are chatting to Oz Hip Hop Icon Reason on this podcast. Uh, This follows up the uh, graphic interview as I was promoting before saying one of the best interviews I've ever done. This also is in that same conversation. I am very, very proud of how this went with my conversation with a legend of the genre. So without any further ado and bullshit, let's get into this right away. BRL chats to reason. Here we go. It is BRL, and now joining us is, um, and I'm going to embarrass you a bit, but an icon of Australian hip-hop. You are, sir. (laughs) You're making a face right now like, bro, really? I'm like, yeah, uh, an icon of our genre, Um, a pioneer, uh, one of the true legends of the genre. Now joining us, uh, wearing a Mons shirt, which I appreciate, is Reason. How are you? Um, I'm overly humbled, uh, nearly fell off my seat, and uh, now I'm looking at my T-shirt thinking, um, old mate Morns, uh, mm. you know, maybe, maybe he deserves a little bit of the title, uh, particularly after hearing what him and Discourse did today. So, yeah, I'm well, mate, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here, particularly in the same, uh, same time as uh, what you are in WA, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it'd be uh, super rare because uh, my, um, well, we'll get into where you are and what you're doing later on, but um, you're a Melbourne hip hop icon for sure. Uh, so uh, normally this would be a case of like uh, you being two hours, uh, two hours ahead, is it? Yes, yeah, two hours ahead, isn't it? At this yeah. time. Long story short, um, you got in touch with me like a few months ago, sort of just, um, you know, uh, giving me the pat on the back. I was like, You've been involved for, oh, I'd say, what, what, 35 years in Australian hip-hop? Yeah, for sure. For what, sure. What? Uh, uh, listen, I, I, I heard one of your shows and mm. I, uh, I, was sort of, I was impressed. Um, for, for me, it's, it's being less impressed about the uh, tunes that were being played, more impressed by the fact that you were uh, making a concerted effort to reach out to artists across the country exposing new artists and touching base with uh, established artists. And I thought, all right, well, um, some, some old fella um, walking <laughs> the streets of Singapore, for, formerly, of, um, formerly of Melbourne, uh, yeah, might be able to shed some light on, on something. So, yeah, I thought I'd yeah, well, reach out. Uh, thank you for, for joining us on the program. Now, um, uh, I've already used the tag legend of Australian hip hop. Like it seems to sort of uh, make some cheeks a little rosy, a little embarrassed. Like, yeah, it's a, it, <laughs> but it is exactly. Uh, but um, you are what you are, sir. So uh, how does that sit with you? 
does does that come out quite often? Like, do people pay the respects that need to be paid? Yeah. Oh, look, I um, I think as I um, you know, approach the um, the halfway mark of um, well, at least I can raise my bat soon for the first time, <laughs> rather than raising my bat for the second time. You know, just like I'm sure um, you know, many people did before me down at the Wacker. Um, yeah. Look, at uh, I, I think what it is is um. Uh, being a, a mainstay, so you know, for for me, it's always been about you know not not aspiring to be the best. Uh, for me, it was always about uh, aspiring to be involved in a in a culture and a genre. And it wasn't a concerted effort; it just was. But just to immerse myself and uh, yeah, try and uh, give it my all for as you said, um, over three decades now and. You know, with that comes, uh, I suppose, different different titles as such. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've heard, um, you know, I've heard all different titles. But yeah, I'm pretty humbled. I I am going red. So yeah. yeah that's <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it, it's earned. And um, earned. Uh, well, actually, I think of the song "Weather the Storm." Sort of check your birthday is uh, one of the lines in that song. And I was like, uh, initially, because um. Uh, I think that came out in like oh three oh four or something like that. So, and I'm a, a much younger version of me. You know, I'm, I think about twenty or something at that time. So I'm like, oh, I wasn't around in eighty eight. I was four. <laughs> but you know, now <laughs> now it's a case of um, I'm, I'm probably well, probably a, a similar age um, now that uh, well, I'm I'm turning thirty six. So I'm you know. I'm looking down the barrel of middle age now. I'm not a younger. No, you're, you're only you're only three. You're only um you know a six and two fours away, mate, from hitting yeah. my mark. You're not too far away, brother. <laughs> yeah. So you know we're getting there, but um yeah, it's uh, it is a case of uh, check your birthday, and and I'm I'm sort of wondering because you know where I I know where I was where I was in um in '88. I was. Uh, in a back of a car driving across the Nullarbor from New South Wales to Perth. So um, let, let's go back to Melbourne, 1988, and uh, a young reason uh, walking about. So what is the scene like back then? Is it is a lot of uh, break and graph back then? Yeah, yeah. So, look, uh, it, it was more about, um, you know, uh, pe- people uh, participating in, in all the genres. So you, you, you would have been perhaps, uh, you know, Perhaps a break dancer who was who was a sick graffer, used to, mm. or maybe spat raps, and you know could could spin some you know tunes on the um, on the turntables. Or, oh right, uh, yeah. So um, I, I dare say you know there's a fair bit of multitasking back then mm. as well. Uh, there was a yeah, the crews, the gang culture as well. I think you know the the word gang um, you know applied for some crews and other crews were. Were, were strictly about the art and others were uh, about you know, staking claim on their territory. So that was just the nature of growing up as a, as a 16 going on 17 year old mm. in 1988. Uh, I, was, uh, I was part of a crew mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, had, we had riders, we had uh, breakers and MCs in the crew and we just had due to a part of your crew and they came out with us every, every night or every Saturday night and we hung at the station at mate's place and they were still crew, so yep. everyone everyone had a place uh, within within your crew, mm-hmm. and with that came um, you know this this uh, seminal growth around uh, around the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graf, Graf was was well and truly um, uh, an integral part of the the Melbourne 
uh, scene, hip hop scene, mm-hmm. as such. Uh, you know, there was heaps of breakers, so you'd go down to certain uh, parts of Melbourne, inner city, and there'd be breaking battles. And then, then there would be, um, you know, some might say the fourth element, you know, some of the uh, the rowdiness and the, uh, <laughs> again, people staking their claim for, you know, and uh, yeah. you know, running the trains and, uh, you know, different uh, shenanigans uh, happened, fortunately or unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, they, they, they for me, were, were definitive times because we were all trying to, uh, yes, yeah, stake our claim. And it was a, a definitive time, particularly for the music scene because it, it became where we were emulating our favourite rappers from the States and, and from the UK to starting to really establish ourselves as, uh, as uh, MCs on the mic. And, uh, yeah, it, it was um, yeah, it was definitive time in, in history. 88, I think, you know, Adam, uh, sorry, Bias says it as mm. well, you know, it was, it was certainly definitive. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, there's, um, there, there's uh, definitely some guys um, that date back to those days in uh, Perth as well. Um, the, the full circle guys who are uh, actually mm. now putting out stuff again um, as, as middle-aged men. And they've, I think they put out like two or three records since their first one. And then it was like 25, 30 years in between anything before. Um, but it was it was a pretty cool uh, conversation with those guys, and uh, that time fascinates me because um, I don't know I've I've always thought being back in the eighties would have been an interesting time just in general Australian culture, um, and uh, definitely as a hip hop fan because it, it wasn't even a sh- sub genre; it was a, a shunned genre, you know, and. Um, Everyone was listening to, uh, you know, Akadaka and metal, and you know, yeah, there would have been the surfers and the metalheads sure. and the bogans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's, and I sort of recollect that the back end of the that eighties Australiana culture, you know, as a like a, you know, six seven year old boy, you know, knowing some older you know older kids and whatever, and then their older brothers, and that's how I first heard, uh, you know, Ice Cube and. NWA and that kind of stuff. We're talking ninety or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and for us back home, mm. uh, you know, more so from a from a graph perspective, you know, guys like Shime and Dash and those mm. fellas were, were were names that were synonymous with us. Who again, um, mm. I was an MC. I was an MC who enjoyed painting. Other guys were graph writers who enjoyed a rap. Others were, and so. It, you weren't you weren't always defined by what part of the, the genre you were partaking in. Yeah. So you know, our, and again, our crew we went out as a crew. Yeah. You know? And when we were out as a crew, you weren't. Um, this is Jason the MC. This is this dude the graph. We were crew. We all had names. We all had mm. pseudonyms and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think Perth is you know was always such a such a far place. It was amazing when we sort of were able to. Uh, connect with Perth and connect with South Australia. It was happening in the 80s. Don't get me wrong, we were travelling and moving around, but uh, it, was, it was the music that uh, really started to, to shape and define. Mm. The graph was strong. It was, it was, uh, it was permeating, you know, in, on every train and across the streets and crews and gangs and, and, and the sort. It was the, the late 80s that really started to bring out the, uh, you know, the, the Australian sound, the music which, uh, yeah, to this day continues to flourish. So um, for, for those, you know, for the people uh, 
dropping rhymes back then in in the crews um was it was it initially sort of emulating the accent and then um who do you remember sort of dropping the australian accent first because a lot of people have sort of said uh you know uh crews like deaf wish cast and those uh those acts from sydney are like uh you know iconic for kind of taking that sound and putting it on wax really you know aost and the like so um, yeah, uh, were you one of those folks you know, back in the day dropping it in the real accent? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, uh, same age, same um, same generation as the uh, Deafish Cast boys. Uh, mm. We you know, we broke lots of ground with with, with those fellas. Uh, look, for me, um, it was it was guys like um, Nemo. It was um, the AKA Brothers. It was Rise and Taki. Uh, it was uh, crews like PMP with uh, guys like Prowler who oh, were wow, in, yes. that, in that particular crew. Um, you know, the AKA brothers was, were, were Ransom and Pack. Uh, so, and and they, they predated the 90s. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were, um, you know, we were doing uh, gigs with them in the late 80s. And uh, for me, they, they, they were the MCs that I was trying to emulate. Mm. And, you know, to this day, I... I I attest my uh, shift from an early to mid eighties uh, lover of American hip hop, uh, mid eighties venturing into the later eighties of still having that uh, American twang in my in my rapping style to then uh, being blown away by by guys like AKA Brothers and mm. uh, Rise and Taraki who showed us that. Uh, we, we, we needn't uh, emulate uh, the sound of uh, others. I wasn't living in the Bronx. I wasn't living in South Central. Mm. I, was living in, I was living in Dandenong, Bentley, Oakley. I was living in, in the suburbs of, of, of Melbourne. So, uh, and with that came uh, the knowledge of this rich scene that was also uh, playing out in Sydney. So you had, you had um, you know, West Side Posse, uh, you know, the guys that were... Uh, Eventually, in Sounds Unlimited, yeah, crew, or Sounds Unlimited posse, uh, you, you had your your Deathwish cast. You had groups like Bad Reputation. You had rappers like uh, Mystery and Brethren. They were already starting to do their thing as well. Yes, yeah. So, uh, and the one thing about the, um, the Sydney scene, the Australian scene, is um, uh, we all uh, had a an Australian sound that was um, reflective of our own areas, our own context. Uh, Parts of Sydney were very, were, were at times influenced a bit more by the British brick core sort of hardcore sound. All right. And uh, then a lot of the crews in uh, Melbourne were sort of a little bit more influenced at times by some of the, the New York sort of uh, boom bap street sound. Mm. But, but with that still came a, an individual sound that was reflective of Melbourne, Sydney and Australia. So that was, um, yeah, that's defining. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, that's um, see, like uh, that for me sort of defines uh, you know genre for well, basically the entire um, well, entire Australian hip hop scene really because you know it's uh, guys like uh, all the acts you listed, yourself, um, everyone you know run around the streets in '88, that kind of thing um, that sort of paved the way, and then. Um, yeah, it took really, uh, I'd probably say, and uh, correct me in my assumption, it's like almost a decade for that that second generation to come through, which is your bias bees and uh, uh, trims, et cetera, um, Melbourne-wise anyway. 
And uh, that, that kind of, at least for me, because that's the kind of stuff that I was sort of first educated on. You know, of course, there was sure. the, the syllabolic stuff, you know, the early 2000s when the first releases from Perth would drop in that regard. So uh, I think before that, it'd be, you know, maybe a couple of tapes or something that I may or may not have heard in the last couple of years before that never touched. But it was, you know, syllabolics and uh, mostly the Melbourne stuff of that time that, you know, <laughs> sort of grabbed me back in uh, what, 2000, 2001. <laughs> so... And, and can I? And when you and when you say that, uh, feel no apprehension. It's twenty years ago, brother. Yeah. So you were already, you're already talking. Um, uh, it, it's it's like um, it's like the opportunities that people like myself and others have had in hanging out with Big Daddy Kane. Uh, I you know spent a couple of nights hanging out with KRS One. I've, I've hung out with some of the the all the all time greats of this of yeah. this scene. And, and as part of our even educating uh, to them and of them was, um, look, we were doing this shit when you guys were doing this shit. When you brought out Criminal Minded, yeah. um, I was doing this shit. Yeah. I, but, but I was, I was in... <laughs> no, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a charismatic big daddy. But, but we were doing this shit, but the, yeah. just the context was different. We yes. were back in Australia, a little, little outback town called mm-hmm. Melbourne. And and our influences were those guys, but we were still actively involved. And as as you mentioned, that second wave, but it's a it's a grey area for the mm. second wave. I mean, the guys like I mean, I remember going out to Geelong with Ransom for a hip hop workshop, mm. and we met this guy called um, Tremor and Rays, and this was in the very early nineties as well. Mm. And uh, but 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 they were in Geelong. The distance mm. was definitive back then. Had he yeah. been directly coming from the suburbs of Melbourne, uh, it, it would have been easier for guys like that to kind of really transition into the first two second wave of of hip hoppers. And I mean, what what a blessing it was to have such uh, such incredible artists in your second sort of wave, like your your biases, your Brad Struts. Mm. Uh, you've got your coolisms as well, and a bunch of others. You know, I mean, Lazy Gray when you heard yes. him towering inferno. Mm. Um, you know, those sorts of fellas. I mean, we were, you know, we were hanging around my local area in the mid nineties with with Lazy and his big long dreadlocks. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember uh, calling up and introducing him to Bias. They never met, uh, and I, I was with uh, Hams and Lazy Gray and a few mm. other fellas and introduce them and uh yeah they uh, they uh, established a, a lovely friendship thereafter i dare <laughs> say <laughs> yeah and uh well it's uh, a meaning of uh once again it's a word that i probably throw around too much but icons the right there as well like but um it, it, i only would use it for for you know people of your generation that uh that gray area second wave and um you know of course uh there's of course been some you know a massive uptick since so um we'll we'll push forward to sort of that time because um uh you are obese 001 release with solid all the way back in 2000 um and the 2000s you know see people of you know my generation and ilk sort of come in and i got in at pretty much the perfect time because you know i jump in sure. and then next thing you know um you know it's a couple of years where i sort of get to see the scene as an underground scene 
especially, you know, Perth, just Hyde Park Hotel, that kind of thing. Um, you know, went to a couple of those gigs, did my show, paid a lot of dues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all through a goofy little radio show. And then, um, you know, next thing you know, the, the hoods go and drop the calling and it kind of changes everything. And uh, everything. it takes, yeah, it changed as you can say, everything changes at that everything, point. Everything. That, the single most definitive moment in musical releases. Yes. Uh, you know, Obese Records has a record store opening up a record label. It doesn't matter about 001. It's the other hundred that came after 001. Yeah. That, that really defined such a, 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 a momentous, uh, like a microcosm of this Australian hip-hop world. And then the hoods dropped the calling. Yes. And uh, everything changed. Absolutely. And um, yeah, for for the you know, for the for the younger crew that are listening to us talk about this now, um, you know, being around at that time and just watching that and it wasn't it wasn't like straight away either. It took almost a year for that to really sort of pick up. Um, and nosebleed section wasn't a chart hit. Neither was the calling, by the way. It would go gold later. Um, That's right. Yeah, you know, but at the time it was just like, oh, holy, holy shit! This is like, this is an incredible record, and um, it was actually one that I um, listened to even less because uh, same. Well, I got it a little early, but uh, yeah, sort of same month or at least a couple of weeks apart as uh, Clandestine's Dynasty, as well, which what is uh, yeah. one of my all-time favorite records. So those were the soundtrack to the back end of my O three. And then it just kind of, and then the next year it explodes. Like, and there, there were, there were drops of tracks here and there, like, you know, um, 1200 techniques. Karma was a, was a minor chart hit. And, um, and, uh, you know, following from that, you have, well, actually it might've been around about the same time as like 77% does pretty well. Hottest 100 wise as well. Um, that's an establishing moment. And then, you know, then from there, it's uh, the next sort of two to three years, which uh, uh, you drop a release in there as well. But um, Obese sign the hoods and then it essentially becomes a kind of the, the monopoly, like the place to be for about five years in Australian hip hop in those um, very, very important five years is obese records. So um, sort of take us to, to that time because um, yeah, you were a part of the, the well, the, the monopoly, they were it. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, and I, lo- I love the fact that you mentioned uh, uh, clandestine as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mr. I have to go with a clandestine fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all good, mate. I, uh, Mr. Royden uh, Mortimer, Yes. Uh, and I uh, do, do communicate. He's, he's, a, he's a ripper fella, and, uh, oh, and, and that's one of my favourite. Al- that's one of my favourite Australian albums uh, of all time. That's that's one of my top ten. And mm. if you ask him, if you ask Morda, uh, is is Dynasty one of the reasons top ten in, in his top ten? He would say yes. So yep. I, I but but with with that, as you said, mm. comes uh, this this wave of music. Um, uh, so Obese Records mm. starts the label at the end of 99 into 2000. Uh, the, the store's already established. Mm. And then, you know, I, I, get a, I get a call from my, my mate um, Shazlik One, who owned the store at the time. Uh, I know you're recording. You're keen to, um, to be the first artist on the label. 
I was already an established artist with sort of tapes and features and, mm-hmm. you know, having been, I mean, I come from a generation where very few of us brought out anything other than CDs and tapes. Yep. So uh, at that particular time and, uh, yeah, from then spawned uh, everything from, uh, you know, uh, Brad Strutt, uh, Brad's 002, I'm pretty sure, or maybe Culture of Kings is 002. I can't remember, but two classics. Yeah, two classic albums. And then comes the wave and yep. comes the, the down. So we've got Downside, the whole yes. still bollocks. We've got Maddie, Maddie B. Yep. Uh, we've got Hilltop Hoods and you've got your, your Bliss and Essos are there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, keep going. You get your Bias Bs. Yeah. Uh, you've got your draft, you've got your illy. Uh, I could just keep going. And, uh, you know, Obese Records was, it was a, it was a uh, catalyst mm. for so many of these artists. And, you know, Pegs as, as my best mate in the world. Yes. Um, you know, I don't think I speak to anyone more since I've come to Singapore, except for my, my family, than, than mm. Pegs. Uh, you know, we still sometimes talk about those, those glory days. Uh, it was they, they were the catalyst. They gave opportunities through block parties, through obesity, through mm. compilations, uh, through your Cultures of King compilations as well, which was also attributed to uh, dimes and uh, uh, from Funk Wars. Uh, sorry, dimes from Terra Firma yep. as well at the time. And, uh, and, yeah, and then you've got Terra Firma. You've got mm. groups like that. So it, Obese Records was the epicentre and pinnacle of Australian hip hop, uh, individual sounds, but there was a semblance of this Australian sound that obese records were that, that resonated with Pegs and those involved in the selection of artists yes. to be a part of the label. And Pegs was uh, unequivocally intent on bringing these artists to the fore, not not to dilute their sounds, not to make them more commercial. Um, I mean, I think a song like "Less Fortunate" by Downside. I mean, again, one of my favourite tracks to play when. Whenever I've had a chance, whenever mm. I've got a chance to jump on the decks, yeah. Uh, in a different, in a different era, that would be a top ten hit in the, in the pop charts. There is nothing commercial about that track. It's such an immense, amazing track. So the, so it no longer became um, uh, this sort of thing uh, where your sound was a, was defined as commercial. It was just you were making music, and the listeners were becoming considerably more receptive mm. to this Australian hip-hop sound. It resonated with them. It, the, the, converse, the lyrics were about local, iconic places that you could relate to. The lifestyle-ish raps were about uh, your life, the life that we were living. And so yes. the masses just jumped on and it was a snowball effect. And the, yeah. the country was immersed in all things obese, uh, and and a bunch of other incredible uh, record labels at the time. Absolutely, uh, it's um it is my personal favourite time in Australian hip hop history. Now uh, I'll say this, and I've said this a million times on this program. Um, right now is uh, another amazing time in uh, Australian hip hop history because. Uh, well, Generation 3 or I'd probably say Generation 4 at this stage are coming through now. Um, you know, a whole bunch of brand new artists are uh, emerging and uh, doing great things. Um, yeah, people like Chillin' It would be, you know, an example of that. Um, uh, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, Generation 4. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the, the people who are sort of starting to go down a bit more of that trappy vibe, 
not my not my yeah. thing, but um, is resonating with this new generation as well. So from that sort of monopoly time and everything, um, you know, it's it sort yeah, of sounds like a sounds like an old track that came out that caused a few ruffled feathers. Uh, yeah. um, you know that that period of time of uh, of having that figuratively speaking monopoly. It was actually for those of us who were involved. Mm. Again, in that period of time, yeah, all we ever wanted, all we ever wanted, was for others to step up and join join in the party. But uh, oh, I'm, uh, yeah, don't yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's just like uh, <laughs> maybe poor wording on my part, but. Um, <laughs> And, and, um, look, and I think also with um just and then that third wave of like your your hospice crew, your checkmates, your art of war, yeah, um, yeah, you know, and, and groups like that, um, you know, after hours and a bunch of other groups who are mm. really um yeah who, who shouldn't be um who should, shouldn't be forgotten because they were um they 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 were our support acts back yes. in that period of time and. Uh, you know, you didn't want to have a bunch of old fellas like an obesity or a uh, block party performing every time. So it was awesome to have these uh, the next gen step up. And I love the way you define this next, the current as, you know, like a fourth gen. I agree. Yeah. And some yeah. of those new artists, um, yeah, are taking it uh, big places. Absolutely. And uh, what uh, what I think is uh, also just as cool in, uh, in that regard is, you know, um, uh, we are diversifying now as a genre as well um and uh, that also um is uh, you know ethnically without the better term for that as well you know it's um it, it's uh, you know you're seeing acts like sampa the great remy um and uh, like even like hp boys went number one in australia um this yeah. week as well so you know and uh it's not it's not just a bunch of uh blonde-haired dudes in uh, some skate shirts and whatever, rapping at a skate park or in a car park or some kind of park. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's people who have that uh, different view of Australian life. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm relishing it as a, as a sound and it is cool and different and I appreciate all of that. Now, um, uh, let, let's, let's go a little sadder here. So um, let's, let's go mid part of last decade and um, the sort of the tailing off. Now, I, you don't need to speak out of school here and I, I know you wouldn't or whatever, but... Um, uh, mate, I'm a school teacher. I'm always in school, brother. You yeah. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's... Uh, yeah, what's, it, what's it like on, on, on the back end? Because um, I, I remember uh, the last maybe couple of times that I, I got to visit obese and we were just you know going to the actual store itself and making sure that I purchased something especially um I kind of felt it on the back end in 2015 because like a couple of months later the label shop and all of it folds and uh there goes a big chunk of Australian hip-hop history there um obviously you were sad to see it go um and uh you know Peg's one of the major sort of uh you know the major force really behind that label uh at the back end as well people have said whatever they they've said online whatever i don't know that much about whatever it is situational wise but um obviously you were sad to see it go but sort of um you know share the feelings of that time for yourself sure um i can tell you exactly what happened if you want uh okay this yes. Can be, this, can be a, this can be a total feature so 
look, ultimately, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at a time where uh, many of the major actors on the label had gone on to sign to big international labels. So yep. that's one thing. Yep. Uh, we're moving away from CDs and vinyl. I know vinyls on, on, has certainly made a big comeback in the yes. last, let's say, two or three years. Yes. But, uh, leading up to 2015, there was a significant reduction in purchasing of vinyl. Everything was digital. Yes, okay? it was. So, yeah. So you go into, I mean, you go into a record store, very few people are buying CDs and mm-hmm. even less people are starting to buy vinyl. A store can't rely solely on spray paint. So, you know, mm, some yeah. belts and, and cans that you can, you can purchase uh, and you can probably sometimes get them cheaper down at your local, um, you know, art suppliers. Yeah. Uh, the clothes, so the clothes are expensive, and uh, it's a it's a select uh, you know um, style of clothes. A burn crew and a few other sort of style. Uh, <laughs> I instantly labels. was thinking of that. <laughs> yeah. Instantly thought yeah. that label straight away. When we're looking at it, um, it's a business. So mm-hmm. so we move away from attitudes, we move away from egos, move away from any of the conversations that preceded the 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 uh, the, the finish of the store per yep. se. Uh, it, it was an incredibly costly, costly venture. You're in the middle of Paran, yes. know, prime real estate, and you look. You know, Pegs was was incredibly intuitive. His business acumen was was uh, incredible. So we look for other ways of sustaining, you know, financial uh, success. But uh, when things become digital when more and more uh, stores are holding these different clothing lines, eventually you have to make some choices. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a business decision, uh, like in any business. And there are many businesses even today that unfortunately will collapse and not yes. by choice, just by nature of the current economic climate, mm-hmm. similarly. Yeah. Th- that is it. There was, yeah. no, there was no politics around it. There was, and it wasn't... A, it wasn't a collapse in finance. It was just, well, get out before it falls. Yes. And yeah. so it was, it was a, a really measured decision made, again, by my best mate mm-hmm. to, to um, take on other business interests outside of the label. Again, uh, one chooses not to be in their 40s or 50s or 60s and, you know, thinking that they're um, – you know, some cool, funky fella wearing Air Maxes. Like, you know, you just you get older as well. You yeah. have kids. You know, Peg's got, has got three kids now. Um, I've got two. Well, just things change and things evolve. So, uh, and it's why I find it so easy and seamless to talk about because we, we move on. He's, I yeah. haven't seen him this happy in ages when I spoke to him on Saturday. Oh, that's great then. We had a great yard on Saturday. Um, I refuse to drink beers at the moment just i'm just on, on a beer strike so i'm more of a scotch person suddenly yep. i think that again that's um comes with old age but um mm-hmm. yeah the, the, now around the periphery and the the, the artists who were, were with the label left the label left on good terms left on, on different terms that's that's um that's sort of between um you haven't probed me on this but that's always between the artists and yep. the label etc but um you know, I've been with pegs and been been with the hoods, and mm. everyone's hugging and jumping around and hugging. I was with Bliss and Esso and Tiran a couple of years ago. We're all jumping and hugging and figuratively speaking. It was cool. Um, you know, at the time, there was also a lot of uh, 
you know, it's, it's an egocentric uh, genre as well. Yes, you know, it people is. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a real humble, chill dude. Mm, humble, chill dude in the hip-hop context. To everyone on the outside, uh, some people are not as chill as what they lead, lead others to believe. So, yeah. yeah, and now he's got three kids and he's happy and, you know, he's just built a deck at home and <laughs> just, just doing stuff that Grown I man stuff. parents did. Yeah, just our parents did. Yeah, um, yeah, he's as happy as Larry. I interviewed him years and years ago, like probably Axis time. So uh, it's been mm. fifteen years. So uh, send send my regards to Pegs. Uh, massive shout outs, so, uh, but like a massive influence musically on how I tune into things. Well, you know, as I said, obese. At least for me, like. I, I don't think of other labels, you know, it's, it's, you know, I know that there are other labels in Australian hip hop history and I guess hip hop history in general, but as, as a label goes, like that's where my mind will go straight away. Also because I'll say peers, like, you know, peers from uh, my scene were on the label at one stage as well. So. so course, and there's also, uh, it's the distro as well. So mm. it wasn't just about the, yes. the, uh, the obese crew. But uh, during that period of time from 2005 to 2015, so to speak, uh, so many artists were being distributed by obese records and more and many of them would, would be so humbled and honoured to be distro. They'd be like, uh, yeah, my shit's coming out on obese records. Not yes. um, it's distributed on obese records. Yes. It's, it's a subtle way of just really... Uh, I'm connected with OBS Records. Yes, it's through Distro, but mm. you know, there was a real pride that people had, and it and it, it gave them um, gave them a lot of credence as well. Oh, one hundred percent. And um, also, you know, like uh, there, there was only like a select that had the OBR number thing. Um, you know, you guys maybe put out a couple in that regard, but um, uh, for the for the distribution uh, stuff, it. That was massive. That was that was dozens, dozens of releases over the uh, course of like, especially those. Uh, I'd probably say ten years before uh, it sort of faded away. Probably like twenty fifteen wise, and then yep. you know the the rest is history. And that's you know that's basically sort of you know five years really since that point. Um, so your own rap career as well you put out a bunch of records and uh, you know, retired a while ago now so yeah I, do you look back at everything that you've done you got you've got pride do you do you have anything left in that pen how's how that feeling yeah yeah all right so it's amazing what um old mate covid can do to an old an old uh, fellow who, um, uh. <laughs> who's, who's just uh finished his fir- writing his first track in a long time um mm. i want to say uh, big big uh big loves to my brother checkmate for the beat so nice. I've got, a, got a track there that uh i've just finished um and i'll record that once um believe it once lockdown mm. is finished so so i'm in singapore we're in lockdown full yes. lockdown right? still lockdown can't still. Leave the house. Yeah, yeah can't leave the house without face masks yeah, we have hundreds of cases a day. So we, we went from being, uh, you know, the uh, archetypal uh, sort of symbol of hope for the world in how we suppress the virus in the first two months 
yep. the last two months, unfortunately, has been incredibly uh, challenging for us. It, it, yep. it made its way into certain areas of our community. So, um, yeah, so I've uh, got uh, Checkers beat. Uh, got um, a really nice beat uh, last week from Alicor as well. Ah, yes. Uh, Old friend of the show. Yes, he's made, made a few good beats. And I've got uh, two he's other beats teacher. from... Yeah, he is, mate. I we, we actually tried to employ him when I was working in uh, juvenile justice. I was uh, oh. associate head. Of, I was yeah, I was a, the associate head of campus of um of uh, the offsite school for uh, Melbourne Juvenile Detention Centre for a oh, couple right. of years. So uh, yeah, that was one job where, by title, being associate head of campus, I would, I would attend you know really uh, important meetings with the education department, etc. Mm. I was the only dude wearing Air Maxes to these meetings, yet I would talk <laughs> in the same yeah. intonation and with the same language and the same foresight as these guys. But yeah, they were wearing lovely um, Aquila shoes, and I was in my Air Maxes. That's another conversation. Yeah. So yeah, um, so uh, got got from um, Elacor as well. And then uh, if I say two others who I won't mention at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, one of them, you know, I think is a, is a massive, uh, massive, massive crowd favourite yes. in Australia. I think uh, I told you who, yeah, get, people get pretty excited. Yes. Eggs got sort of excited, which is a bit, doesn't always get excited. So mm. yeah, look, I, the plan is um, uh, I'm going to record a couple of tracks and uh, I've got a local label in Singapore that's going to bring out a seven inch with, uh, a reason seven inch so they've nice. asked they've actually approached approached me mm-hmm. which uh and i'll do that with a um uh, she's a sort of a singer and a rapper here so she'll sort of do the chorus on one of the tracks and yeah i can then maybe finally say i'm the best aussie rapper in this country <laughs> as in singapore <laughs> so <laughs> i've been waiting to say that for years i am the best aussie rapper in this country but yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it's not not Australia. <laughs> maybe it's it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's Singapore. So yeah, I'm doing a little bit of recording at the moment. I think what it is is um, also lots of time. Uh, there's no um, you know, I mean lockdown, lockdown. There's no lockdown raps. I'm not doing rap, lockdown raps. Oh, I'm, I'm thank writing songs for that. Yeah, I, I haven't got it in me. Like um, yeah, I just don't have it in me. What, what, I mean, what am I going to what am I going to rap about? Uh, so uh, what everyone else who's writing lockdown raps is rapping about. Mm. So uh, it's been a few years. Uh, I mean, after I stopped um, you know, rapping per se, I, I did the Big Daddy Kane tour. So was, I came out of came out of retirement for the Big Daddy Kane tour and you know, did those shows. Uh, and again, you know, when you get asked by the promoter, we're looking for we're looking for old people. I'm like, <laughs> you know, all right, sweet. I'm an old person. I'll I'll, I'll uh, get the walking stick out and give it a crack. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, I did a lot of work, um, uh, working in Aboriginal communities. So, uh, making music, uh, in, uh, central Australia in the NPY, like Pitt and Jarrah lands. Uh, and I went up to Arnhem land. I also did uh, quite a bit of recording up there. So I went up uh, to North Queensland with Jace, mm-hmm. uh, like Beatheads Jace. We went up to North Queensland and recorded in uh, a community. Uh, did we checkmate? We did Central Australian communities. Uh, went up north to Greeley and did some stuff around Darwin and that as well. So, still um, uh, working at uh, you know, giving back to community and uh, you know helping um, 
you know, young Indigenous kids, you know, young kids coming out in and out, not just Indigenous, but young kids coming out of juvenile detention as well. Uh, did quite a few workshops in juvenile detention in Alice Springs and in Melbourne. So uh, try and uh, use my skills or gifts as, a, as an educator, as a rapper, workshop facilitator, and uh, the, uh, even here in Singapore, been working with interfaith communities uh, to help them in making music, all the while, you know, still doing my conventional teaching stuff. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, some of these borders opening up so I can go back to uh, the Central Australia and uh, go back to community and get some stuff happening again. Reason, this has been an absolute honour to chat with you here on uh, Beats, Rhymes and Life and uh, thank you for joining us. Mate, thank you so much for um, yeah, giving of your time as well and uh, you know, I, can't, I can't be uh, stronger or more emphatic that um, it's, uh, you know, it's because of people like yourself who continue to um, uh, open up the eyes of the masses to the new artists, the old artists the uh, you know the memorable times like uh, you know Ice Cube's thirtieth. I know you're going to be doing something for that as well. And, yep. You know, just just sort of keeping that sort of spirit alive, not just during this particular time, but um, but always. Uh, radio has always been such a, an immeasurable uh, place of, of great impact for our music, and uh, to know that you're still flying the well, you are flying the flag. Literally uh, in the background know. here. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally in the background. Um, yeah, it's very much appreciated. It actually makes um, old men sleep uh, easier at night. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Peace out, brother. An all-time classic here on BRL, the podcast. You're the first to hear this, by the way. We're putting this out ahead of the new nationally distributed Beats, Rhymes and Life radio show, which will be all across Australia on the Community Radio Network starting June 6, 2020, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, stay tuned to the Facebooks and everything. I'll uh, put up some streams of stations that are taking it and you guys can listen to it live and also, uh, there will be mixed cloud releases of the program as well. In fact, I may or may not, at the time of this broadcast, be putting up maybe two episodes of that. So stay tuned on the Facebook page at B R L S O N, and uh, I might be giving you some bonus content to go away with before we kick off that national show. Plus, by the way, um, the show is going to end up playing on some online stations as well. So um, you're not going to have a uh, lack of options of hearing Beats Rhymes Alive as a podcast or as the new radio show. So thanks for listening, folks. At B-R-L-S-O-N is where to get us. And until next time, folks, we'll see you next time. We're Diggy Dunson. See you later. Good night.